Um, I'm just getting a text from Dave Bing. He disagrees with everything you guys just said. <laughs> uh, I was like, I get a co-host with the beat writer. I'm going to know everything about the pit. He, he doesn't tell me any, he doesn't tell me anything. I don't get, I don't get any insider information. Oh my God. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> is that, is that, is that good or Richard is that bad? Lewis? Like that's his, Richard Lewis. Is good. Bryce, that's help floor. me out that's here. Come floor. on, man. I'm not is saying this... that's silly. That's his floor. Richard Lewis? Yeah. Okay. You yeah. got a notepad? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Hang okay. on. Hang on. Is this basketball? Yeah, yeah. We're talking about, okay, basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah. Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, this is sacrilege, man, but we are letting somebody in who does not like a Philly cheesesteak. I, I don't understand it. I mean, if he's a vegan or vegetarian, I'm guessing he's not. That'd be one thing, like Kate Cunningham, but uh, and we respect that. But for somebody who eats meat and probably cheese and doesn't like the combination on a hoagie, I don't know what to say about that, but, but what, tell me what you think before we bring it's this. It's the cheese. He's imposter. In. He's hung up on the cheese whiz, man. I think that's the thing. That's the thing that makes the the cheesesteak. And uh, I don't know what he wanted. Some some fancy Sean Windsor Ann Arbor cheese to put on his. I don't know what it was, but they don't make cheese in Ann Arbor. It's, sure they do. It's it's artisanal, you know. But he want. I mean, you got it. They ask you at, at Pat and Gino's. You know, whiz, uh, what do they say? Um, a whiz or was out or whatever they say, like with the cheese whiz. And I thought it was, I thought it was weird too the first time I had it, but it's like no, that's how they do it. So, well, I expect um, that from you, Carlos. But it, and but and beyond that, not only that, the fellow we're, that we're speaking of is a co-host of a podcast, and that co-host is trying to direct this other fella into Detroit to, to certain kind of foods and mentioned pizza and tacos, which is again, what are we doing, Carlos? I, I don't I don't understand this. <laughs> It's going to be hard because he's talking to two. Well, you're mostly the food snob, but I'm. I like food too. So we'll we'll have to set Mr. Bryce Simon right. Is that? Or are we going to put him on the path to redemption, Sean? Well, I don't know if there's. I mean, yeah, he can come in here for a little bit of salvation, <laughs> but hopefully he's going to educate us along with his uh, partner in crime, Omari Sunko, for the the, the co-hosts of the Pistons Pulse. Uh, Omari, you also know is the, the the Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. And um, former beat writer of the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't know. I still don't know how you Why are you throwing that in there? Because I want to – I'm just – it's called foreshadowing, Carlos, and I still can't believe that he left, uh, you know, arguably the the most exciting young player in the league for – well, no, actually the Pistons are kind of coming around. We'll we'll talk about that. But anyway, we're we're really, really happy to have you all here. And uh, a little bit of cross-promotion here, Carlos. You know how that works, right? It's Gannett branding. It'll make Anjanette Delgado very happy. (laughs) Wow, the first mention in, what is it, three minutes? Yeah, yeah. Synergy, synergy. Okay. All right, real quickly, Bryce also is a former, uh, I I don't want to say former. I know he hurt his his knees. I played uh, long after I tore my ACL, too, so he probably still plays pickup, I hope, a little bit. But uh, the the guy behind the Motor City Hoops podcast and blog site is that is that the right way to say it? There, there's too much stuff to mention here, Carl. So let's just let's just bring him in. We're here to talk about uh, they're here to talk about the Pistons, about the draft, about how Bryce doesn't like Keegan Murray, and um, you know I don't blame him. I don't like <laughs> slow brothers from uh, the Big Ten myself. You know what I mean? That's just that's just that's just that's just where we're at. I, I, we can talk about maybe why the SEC and the and the Big Ten are different in, in those ways. But in any case, welcome to the podcast, guys. Yeah, thank thank you for having us. And you know, my biggest worry about that segment was my little like subtle jab at Jawan Howard whenever I was telling the Bruce Pearl story. I literally text Omari, Tad, everybody like, "Hey, if you guys want to cut this out, it's okay. I get it. Like, it may be too soon." I didn't think the Philly cheesesteak thing was going to go that far. I just don't like cheese whiz. Like I expected better cheese than cheese whiz. I'm sorry. And I'm definitely not a vegan. Like my family runs cattle. So I would be disowned. Like if I order chicken instead of beef somewhere, I get in trouble from my dad. So I'm definitely, it's definitely not about that. It was all about the cheese whiz, but thank you guys. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're both excited to be on here. And I, I, I told Bryce uh, about the Javon Howard job. I said, I think I think people will like it. <laughs> like, like, I think that's I think they'll get a big laugh out of it. So don't uh, like we need more, more spice. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty uh, even killed guy. Bryce is pretty even killed. We have to find ways to orchestrate that 
drama and give people the jabs to go off of. So we need more of that, if anything. You get your spice from your food. Do get the spice from the food. All right. Can 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 we have Bryce tell the Bruce Pearl story? I know it, he covered it obviously in Pistons Pulse, but it's such a good story. Can you can you give us the? It's a short story. Can you tell us what what happened and how it related to Juwan Howard? Yeah, yeah. So I'll just I'll give the very very short version. So we played Tennessee my junior year in the NCAA tournament, fifteen two game. We, we put up a good fight. I always have to put that in there. We're going through the the handshake line after the game. And Bruce Pearl stops me going through the handshake line. And that's where I put in the Juwan Howard jab. It was it was no Juwan Howard type incident. But he just goes, are you Jewish? He didn't even say my name or anything. He just stopped. <laughs> We're shaking hands. He goes, are you Jewish? And I just looked at him and I said, no. And he just kept walking and didn't say anything else. And, you know, I, I told Amari on, on the episode, I don't remember back in 2008 if we had internet on our phones or in the hotels or whatever. As soon as I got internet, I had to Google it and found out he coached a USA team in a, in a Jewish Olympic type setting in some games. And, and I guess he was going to ask me to play. That's the story I tell myself anyway. <laughs> when you found out it was, you know, if you'd known that he was coaching the Maccabee games, would you have yelled at him? No, but I'm willing to convert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever it takes to play more basketball, I was all about it. The, the other part of that story is I had just torn my ACL for the first time two games before that game, um, which kind of ended up derailing my entire career. So, but yeah, I would have been all about it if we would have found a way to make it work. Do you, do you think it was the name or is he sizing you up? No, I, I think it was. And that's what was really confusing to me. I asked Amari about this. And Amari, I think somebody tweeted at us that Simon is very much a Hebrew name. I just had no understanding of that. Like that, that was not something I was familiar with. That's how cultured I am, guys. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm from I'm from Southwest Kansas, a little town of 1500 people, like not the most cultured you know, guy you're ever well, going to Neither miss. are we. Yeah. Amari is the only cultured one here. Maybe Tad a little bit. I'll take that. Bryce, Bryce, I'm disappointed because I understand you were the valedictorian at your high school, so you should have known better. Here's the thing about that. You, you want to? <laughs> you, you guys guess how many people were in my high school class? Thirty-five. Forty-two. Thirty. So Carlos has read the article or the oh. you watched the YouTube video <laughs> or something. There's a YouTube video out there that my students find every once in a while. <laughs> And so Carlos has watched it, but yeah, it's a very, very small high school. I watched it too and watched the corner three that went in and um, not the one that gets Villanova, right? And uh, <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not bad, not bad form, man. Thank you. Thank you. I, I put nice, it out on nice Twitter. Go, nice gooseneck. Me, me and Omari, I think are going to have a, a game of 50, right? Omari, that, is that on the schedule for this <laughs> upcoming weekend? We'll have to see. I'm, I'm open to it for sure. We will have to see how things line up. Omar, have we taken shots together at the practice facility before? Or is it? Uh, no, we haven't. They, uh, okay. So because of COVID, and it's funny because the other beat guys talk about it all the time. Like they would play 21 and stuff after practice. And because of COVID, they shut all of that down until recently. So like I would say probably uh, Sunday might have been the first practice that we were able to go to the practice facility and just get like some free throws up. So uh, ideally for the next month, uh, and we have to get you to a, a practice. I don't even know if I send you out of practice this year. It's, no, it's, 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 it's no, it's been a while. I'd love to come down and shoot. By the way, for the record, Rod Beard cannot shoot. The, <laughs> oh. the, the Pistons beat writer for the Detroit News. Oh. James Edwards can shoot a little. He can. He can. But he's got, you know, he's one of those players that carries himself like he's a little better than he is. You know what oh. I mean? The way he walks out on the court. You, you mean every, every basketball player, you mean? No, no, they're not. Bryce will tell you that. That's not how that, that works. You, you know, they're guys I mean, that. Go ahead. Every pickup basketball player thinks he's like three levels better than he is. Oh, you should have seen me play when I was in bas- in high school. That's well, let Carlos, me just that's- Go ahead, Sean. Uh, just real quickly, real quick. I don't know how, if any of y'all know Graham Couch. He's a columnist for the Lansing State Journal. He's a, a fellow colleague, you know, for the Gannett family and played high school ball and, and loves to play pickup ball. And he he likes to say he thinks he's, he's 6'3". He just thinks he's a shooter. He likes to say if he gets out on a pickup court, and he's one of just a couple of white guys. He pulls up from 35 feet. Whether he, as soon as he gets the ball, whether he's going to make it or not, because he wants to set the tone, the tone of confidence that he belongs out there immediately. He he will tell you that. He'll tell anybody that. It's unbelievable. I was just going to say that's why I don't play pickup anymore because all these guys are trying to prove something, and I'm like, I'm just trying to play three point line to three point line, bang a couple of Steph Curry threes, play no defense. Take someone was talking to me the other day about taking charges. I'm like. I haven't thought about taking a charge in 20 years. I don't, I, you know, I don't know what you guys are talking about. So, by the way, 
I, I want to get the Bryce Simon story. I mean, this guy, I mean, seriously, valedictorian, Division One player, two-time participant in the NCAA tournament. I mean, high school coach from little one-stoplight town. I mean, and then, of all things, you've never been to Detroit, but you're somehow a Pistons <laughs> aficionado. Like, what is going on? He's a man of mystery, Sean. we got to get to the Bryce Simon story at some point. That part in particular, like the, the, the Pistons part from Syracuse, Kansas, is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how how did you make that leap? So, Vlad Moldovanu was my teammate at American, um, and he is from Detroit. He still plays. For, sorry, he lives in Detroit. He's from Romania. His in the off season, he lives in Detroit. That's where his wife's from. He's still playing overseas right now. But he got the opportunity to start a podcast um, under a network. He chose the Pistons. He did one episode, actually, with David Aldridge, American University's favorite alum. And then he asked me to join him after that. And I just want to talk sports. So I said, yes, I'll be honest, guys. Like I knew very little about the Pistons roster. You know, like I was just a casual. I was a casual NBA basketball fan because I love basketball. And I started it. I fell in love with it. And I just dove head first. And now I'm talking with you guys and co-hosting a podcast with the man Omari Stanko for the second. So, How did you hook up with Omari? So Omari, I, Vlad left the podcast. And I just started running it solo and I went the guest route. So every episode I had a guest, other beat writers. Eventually I asked Omari and Omari and I were at summer league and Omari actually came over to the hotel. We recorded, felt like it went well. And what was it? October 22nd, Omari? I know you looked this up. Yeah. October 22nd. Uh, we had the story in the uh, first podcast that came out last week. Uh, Bryce reached out and he was just like, Hey, you know, I was uh, thinking about it. I thought our podcast went well because I had done the show probably. Uh, two or three times by that point and he said would you want to be a co-host full-time and i was already thinking about doing some sort of podcast just because i know nba fans especially pistons fans seem to really love uh all the podcasts that are out there and uh i pretty much told him yes immediately i, I just said the only thing to figure out is i'm sure the free press will want to have some sort of stake in it uh which clearly we're uh, sitting here on the <laughs> sean and carlos spot now so uh, the free press, yeah, but yeah, that's a great place to be. <laughs> Good place to be, in my unbiased opinion, of course. And uh, but yeah, we had some conversations and got it rolling, and here we are now. So it's been fun. I have a I have a question. It's impressive that Omari knows it was October twenty second, but what day of the week was that, Omari? Because I understand your your day challenged. <laughs> uh, it could have been Monday. Could have been Tuesday. <laughs> could have been Saturday. Uh, that goes. I don't know what day today is. So. <laughs> it ends in Y. That's the hint. It ends in Y. I, I, I can guarantee you that. It ends in Y. <laughs> Carlos, do you have any more backstory questions? That's a that's a journalist term, Bryce. Sorry. <sighs> backstory. No, no, no. I'm good. That was that was that was comprehensive, man. It's Bryce is as impressive as I thought he'd be. So I'm I'm I, I just couldn't get enough. I'm like learning about this guy. I'm like, what? What? Seriously, Bruce Pearl? What? And it was this is great. So it's um, nice to see you showing a little respect to a basketball, to a hooper for a change. Well, you know no, what I mean, no. What's true is that actually, you know, Bryce and Omar actually know basketball, Sean. So it's a refreshing change. And, and Bryce, every time you say something <laughs> about basketball, please say as a former Division One player, so that you can trump anything Sean thinks he knows about basketball. I don't know anything about basketball. You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, the, the, you know, the, one of the best coaches in the NBA learned in the video room, but that's okay. You know what I mean, Carlos? <laughs> wow, if you make it that far, yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, listen, let's. You, you, we should talk a little basketball, right? I mean, actual Pistons basketball. That's what, uh, Carlos, I think that's what these two guys talk about. The surging and, um, Pistons. The surging Pistons, what is it, six of eight? Can I get it right? I think they've won, yeah, they've six, won of six, eight. six of eight. Monday night, the Pistons beat the Hawks in overtime. Cunningham won, what, 28, 10, and six, I think, something like that. Had five or seven in the overtime. And can we can we just start there for a second? Because when, when Cunningham's been at his best this season, it's usually getting buckets or making plays in a tight game <laughs> at the end of the game. And he did it again last night. And I'm just I'm curious. Dwayne Casey, the head coach, obviously, after the game, said he was scratching the surface. I'm curious what you guys think. Of Cunningham play Cunningham's play and Bryce, what, what do you think his ceiling is? If the coach is saying he's just beginning, yeah, I mean, I think Kate Cunningham has been as advertised as a rookie. He's been everything I thought he was going to be. It wasn't just about the scoring with Kate Cunningham; it was about the the entire package, creating for other people, playing hard, embracing the city, embracing the organization, all of that stuff. And people love it. The fans love it. 
but on the court, he does everything. And even last night, like I sent out a tweet because he started off slow. He didn't look super involved. I don't know if they are trying to attack Trey Young, who was obviously guarding Corey Joseph, not Cade Cunningham. I don't know what it was, but he got off to a slow start in the first quarter. And I kind of tweeted out, I'm interested to see how he responds. And then he had an amazing game, one of the best games of his, of his young career. And so I think we are, we, we've seen everything we wanted to see, but there's definitely more. And in my opinion, guys, he's a face of the franchise type player. And that's what you have to have whenever you're in a rebuild. That's the first block whenever you're in a restoration, as Troy Weaver likes to call it. Omari? The thing about Cade is he's had a, a few games like that where he'll kind of have a quiet game. He may have 10, 11 points going into the fourth quarter, a few assists. And then uh, I guess you call it crush time, uh, you know, games within five points. It's a wonderful game. Uh, the light kind of turns on the case like, oh, I guess it's time to I guess it's time to play basketball. And he goes out and he um, uh, he had 15 points, I believe, in the fourth quarter and in overtime uh, combined on Monday. Uh, seven in overtime alone. I think the Pistons scored maybe 12 points total in OT, like 11 or 12 points in OT. And Cade had seven of those and that's just what he does i mean i think he's just a, a player who is motivated by winning and in those situations he's just going to do what it takes to do to win uh whether it's scoring or like he's had clutch blocks this season clutch charges like whatever it takes to win like he's going to do it and uh, when you build around a guy who's already that clutch as a rookie i don't even think he's cracked 60 games yet because he's kind of been banged up at times this season but uh it definitely makes you feel pretty good about the direction of the uh, team uh, he's had some clutch moments during this streak where they've won six of eight games uh, they've also won three straight i believe for the first time since 2019 uh which means that they haven't won three straight the entire time i've been on the beat uh, <laughs> up until this past week uh but uh but that's the the kate effect um he was a winner at uh, oklahoma state he was a winner in high school and now uh, he's starting to win with the pistons carlos um, I'm just getting a text from Dave Bing. He disagrees with everything you guys just said. <laughs> uh, he's cleaned up his foul trouble, right? He's, he, he, that's something he's got to work on and, and not getting baited into getting into early foul trouble. So he, if he stays on the court, right, good things are going to happen for that team. His his trainer, who is very like active on Twitter, actually went at Dave Bing last night with a tweet. Um, <laughs> he he, he yeah. called Dave Bing out, I saw. What did you say? Um, uh, essentially, I think he just was like, went straight to the point, like Dave being, you were wrong. Like his, his, it was, <laughs> oh, the tweet. I, I, oh, caps. I, yeah, I stayed away from it. I was like, ah, no likes, no retweets. I'm not getting in the middle of this one. <laughs> well, the, you know, that that's, uh, let me ask you guys this it, and I, again, I, your podcast is really fun. I enjoyed it. I love the, the, the talk of the big three in your latest episode, the big three being Cunningham, Sadiq Bay and, and Jeremy Grant, which was a fun thing to think about, but but speaking of Cunningham and Dave Bing, this this idea that we we feel like we have to make judgments, fans, media, I don't know, some folks even within the NBA make judgments so quickly before these guys get a chance to show who they're going to be, especially when they're coming in as teenagers, right, or twenty year olds, which is you know basically teenagers. And Cunningham's, uh, you know, I mean, the, the Bing Cunningham thing is an example of that. But another one to me is Killian Hayes, who started to find a role coming off the bench. I know he's been closing some games lately. Um, but I'm curious what you guys think of what you've seen from from him lately. We knew, but we know he can defend. He's got terrific vision, but he seems a little looser and yet a little more aggressive, at least in spots. To me, I'm curious what y'all think. I agree with that. I think Killian's starting to find his confidence a bit more. I know part of the reason why they moved him to the bench was just to separate him and Kate a little bit, give Killian some more primary uh, playmaking responsibility, and I think just in that role where he's more of the guy that he doesn't have to worry about deferring to anyone. It's helped him just from the standpoint of he's figuring out uh, how to pick his spots a little bit better. Um, still a work in progress in a lot of ways, but uh, he's getting to the rim uh, significantly more than he was previously. Like I think his uh, the rate of shots he's taken at the rim has almost doubled since he's moved to the bench. Uh, actually, about to start a little bit before he moved to the bench. Um, his three ball still isn't there, but you know, I thought he had some really good looks on Monday. Uh, you mentioned the defense, Sean, and that's been – probably his best skill all season, but I think he's also just starting to put together how he can leverage his passing uh, along with the scoring at once. Uh, the coaching staff challenged him to uh, get all the way to the room and not settle uh, for that short mid-range jumper he took a lot last season. And he's getting his body into guys in the paint. Uh, it, like when he gets left, he's just taking the layup. He's not overthinking it, kicking the ball out. Like when he has a left-handed layup, he just takes it. And uh, he's pretty good with that. 
Um, and then he's been finishing games too. Uh, he played, I think, the entire fourth quarter in OT uh, against the Charlotte Hornets last week. Uh, played almost the entire fourth quarter in all of OT uh, during that OT win again against the Hawks this past Monday. Uh, so he's got stress from the coaching staff. Um, he does a lot of good, like things well. Uh, the scoring is a work in progress, but just everything else he does, I would say above average. And he has a pretty good base to build off of from that. So uh, he's definitely been getting better. Yeah, I just I think Omari really hit it whenever with the second unit, he doesn't feel like he has to defer to other guys. We even saw he only played seven games to start his rookie year before the injury. And people were already talking about it then that he felt like he had to defer when Blake Griffin was still on the roster, Derek Rose, Jeremy Grant. And he kind of felt like you could see he wanted to defer to those guys. He didn't know, should I be aggressive? Should I not be aggressive? I could see it being the same thing with the starting lineup. It's Cade's team. Everybody knows him and Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay are trying to figure out who the guy is right now. I think we all know that. And I think they've started to. So I think it almost makes sense for Killian to come off the bench. He can kind of just feel like he just does his thing. He doesn't have to force the ball to anybody. And I think maybe there's a little less pressure whenever you're coming off the bench. The thing that people are always, always going to hold against him. And I don't know how you guys feel about this. If you're going to hold it against anybody, you hold it against Troy Weaver, but people are going to have a hard time detaching number seven overall pick in, you know, judging what kind of player he is. He can be a really good player and not live up to that hype, but that's Troy Weaver's fault then, right? For drafting him number seven, not Killian Hayes' fault. No, for sure. And uh, hey, hey, look, we uh, you guys know this because you have your own podcast, and Tad is really strict about timing and breaks <laughs> and all that, and we have to pay the bills, I guess. Um, you know, plus Carlos needs a break. He's probably tired after that 20 minutes there. <laughs> Please. Maybe a little nap, but uh, yeah, we, we want to take a quick break and come back with her. For, come back for a second segment here, and we can talk a little, a little bit more about the the team makeup. Uh, you mentioned Grant. I'd like to get into uh, what your thoughts are, both y'all's thoughts on uh, this off season, whether he stays. I know he's been finding his way with the with Bay and, and Cunningham lately, but and then we can get into the draft a little bit because that's everybody's favorite uh, subjects. But in any case, we'll uh, we'll be right back. My name is Kerry Jr. The second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press and now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts, and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, did you learn anything in that segment? Yeah, oh, yeah. I learned a lot about basketball from real experts, you know, instead of having to, to listen to all the stuff you kind of just spoon feed me. And I have to assume it's right because I don't know anything about basketball. So like, OK, whatever, Sean. I mean, Bryce was Bryce was talking about elevator screens and, and double curls or whatever it was at the Pistons. You don't know what an elevator screen is? I, I don't. I don't know. I'm sorry. It's, um, oh, can I can I just tell you real quickly? In, oh, here, OK, in Bryce, Bryce, this is Sean. OK, this, this segment is called Sean Smart. Go ahead. I think of an elevator screen. This is how I used to explain it to my kids: is like a double down screen from the from the uh, two elbows. That's a little too wide, but you you basically you're having somebody pop up from under the rim up through two guys on your own team that are setting the screen, and because they're side by side and there's a little gap in there, they call it an elevator. And then you shoot through the top, and then the ball's usually coming over from a wing for a three point shot. Basically, you know, that's generally what you call an elevator screen. Oh, this is nice. So, Bryce, you have now an assistant coach for your high school team. If you ever need them, okay, just just go ahead and text Sean whenever you want. But but when you're trying, when you got a 15 in a, a 15 UAU team, you know it's a slow developing deal, right? So it doesn't, it's not necessarily great. <laughs> we're we're not working with those type of athletes where I'm coaching. <laughs> in, in any case, uh, yeah. So, Carlos, did I pass the test or no? Oh, of course. Yeah, flying color, Sean, as as usual. Okay, I, yeah, I don't, but I, I, yeah. In any case, let's get back to uh, the, the Jeremy Grant because I, I think a lot of fan, it, and this is for either of you or both of you, a lot of, 
lot of fans want to know what uh, Troy Weaver is going to do with Grant. Is you know uh, the way they've been playing lately, the six of eight stretch, the way Bay and Cunningham and Grant have kind of started to figure it out a little bit. Do they keep him around, and does that change how they draft? Or are they drafting for best talent anyway, or do you think they try to to, to move him regardless? I'm, I'm curious what y'all think. Yeah, well, it just so happens that um, a draft that's pretty heavy at the top in, in power forwards. I mean, you have Chet Holmgren, uh, Ben Carroll, and then uh, Jabari Smith. I mean, all those guys probably project best as power forwards, and it's the same summer that Jeremy Grant's due for this big extension. Uh, and of course, Jeremy Grant's also a power forward. So if you're the Pistons, you get a top four pick. Uh, you know, the odds are pretty strong. You end up one of those four guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a decision you have to make. Uh, you know, of course, Jeremy Grant, uh, they took calls on him uh, this past trade deadline. And I think there's an awareness from the front office that uh, even as Jeremy Grant is playing some of his best basketballs at Detroit Pistons right now, um, I think the question is, is he a long-term fit, you know, for a team full of guys who are uh, largely between 19 and 23 years old? Um, and do you invest more money in a guy like that? Uh, Jeremy would still be pretty young uh, when that extension ends. I mean, he's 27. I think he turns 28 soon. So it'd be like 31, 32, somewhere in that range. Uh, still productive, but it's just additional money uh, to a position where you might be covered. So uh, I would say I still think the odds are pretty good that, He's moved. Uh, if you're not ready to commit that money, and there's probably good reason for them not to, uh, then he's an unrestricted free agent in 2023. And obviously, you don't want to just lose him for nothing. So uh, I still think just looking at the tea leaves, it probably paints a, a picture where that makes the most sense. But at the same time, Jeremy is playing pretty well. And if you end up with a, a, a Jaden Ivey or you, or you pick outside the, the top four and then it becomes a little bit more wing heavy, uh, maybe there's a window where that still makes sense. So TBD, but I would say for now, I, I think it probably makes more sense to see what you could get for him. That, that's the closest I've got to an answer from Omari about Jeremy Grant. So I, I thought having being a co Here, here's the thing, guys. You asked earlier how this came together with me and Omari. I was like, I get a co-host with the beat writer. I'm gonna know everything about the pit. He, he doesn't tell me any, he doesn't tell me anything. I don't get I don't get any insider information. Monday, Tuesday, no matter what day of the week it is in Amari's head, I don't get any insider information. So you guys just got more about Jeremy Grant's possibility of staying on this team than me. But I agree. I think it really comes down to the draft, guys. If they get one of those three guys or the the guy we've been discussing on in or off air and about to on air, Keegan Murray, I think it makes a lot more sense that Jeremy Grant gets to gets moved. I actually think Sadiq Bey's best position is actually at the four as well. Um, that's just a personal opinion for me. If they end up with Jaden Ivey, Johnny Davis, Adrian Griffin Jr., maybe if Shaden Sharp enters the draft, one of those guys, then you could see a world where he stays. But if it's Paulo, Chet, or Jabari, most likely I think you have to move him. I don't think you don't draft those guys because of Jeremy Grant, but you probably have to move him because of the log jam. Carlos? No, I like it. I mean, it, it's, you know, when, and Bryce, I asked you to preface anything you say with that authority of a former NCAA, you know, basketball player, you know, tournament player. So, uh, you have to believe that, you know, um, that that is the best position is the four. Um, so, yeah. And you know what? As just as you learn, you'll learn this you know, as you go forward. You'll learn this about Omari or any other beat writers. I'll introduce you to Dave Briquet one day who will tell you absolutely nothing. He will always play. He'll always toe the line and give himself outs. And I'm not going to commit to anything. It could go this way. It could go that way. I loved your I loved your guys discussion about um Drafting for fit, and you kind of kept pushing the ball on. But what about fit? It should okay. It shouldn't matter. But what about fit? Because I mean, hey, fit matters, right? If you have four guys, you know, trying to play the four, there's only one four, right? You mean you got to make room somewhere. So it, it needs to make sense. I, I mean, I'm that's where I I kind of was disappointed with with Troy Weaver, right? I mean, he needed to move Jeremy Grant. I mean, I don't remember what the offer was exactly. And obviously it wasn't good enough. It wasn't the right thing, but it made a lot more sense to to trade him, you know, getting more value now than it was in the summer. Now you're going to have potentially a problem, right? It, it may it may guide your draft decision. So there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but I think your 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 options are just a little bit more limited now. I mean, do you all agree with that? I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I thought the idea that he was going to wait and see what he looked like. I mean, what what we've seen the last few weeks, right? I mean, I think Weaver wanted to see that, unless there was some kind of spe- spectacular deal out there. And if you ask yourself, I mean, and and yeah. Carlos, and I'm curious uh, what you think of this too, Amari, but when Bryce says, you know, Sadiq Bey's better at the four, 
are you, are you are we really talking about defense? Because the because offensively, and and this is the thing, and you know this better than I do as a as a former player, but it's so. And I, I know the Pistons don't play a, a read and react or any kind of flow like Golden State or something or the Spurs, but but they do. You know, it's so fluid offensively, and Bake can even put the ball on the floor a little bit now, right? And he's out there spacing the floor. He's not a, a pick and pop big. So, are you really talking about defense and the because he's got grown man strength from the the waist down? Is that, is that what you're imagining? Yeah. So I look at it from a defensive perspective. What can you guard? I guess, and I guess more what I try to tell people. I just did a breakdown on this. Is he can't guard? I don't think he can guard twos. I don't think he guards really good perimeter players. And so I, I would feel better with him match up with a four man in the NBA than a two. So obviously he can play the three, but I just think that he he's a mismatch offensively as a four. And I think he can guard fours on the other end. And so I, that's why I see him as a four. Um, I don't hate him as a three. That's why I think him and Jeremy Grant can coexist or him and Jabari Smith or Chet or Paolo or whoever it ends up being. But I don't hate him at the four. I just don't like when people bring up, hey, let's just go big. And let's put Jabari Smith at the four, Jeremy Grant at the three, and Sadiq Bay at the two. Like, I, I don't think that lineup works. Because who's guarding the two of those three, right? Now, and now Cade Cunningham has to take the, the role of guarding the other team's best perimeter player. And in two games against the Celtics, we've seen how that's played out. He's gotten foul tr- He's gotten a foul one minute into the game and was on the bench a couple minutes later because he had to match up with Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. It ended up being Tatum. But I just don't want Cade Cunningham. Personally, I don't want Cade Cunningham having to guard the Trey Youngs, the Jalen Browns, the Luka Doncic's of the world. But at some point, don't don't you think he's going to have to? I mean, maybe not Trey Young, but I mean Jason Tatum guards the other guy's best player. Uh, well, or maybe Brown, not Tatum. Brown does right. So if you so I I thought about that recently, Sean. And if you give him a bucket getter that takes away some of the load offensively, then I think he can take more of a load defensively. So that I think that's a good point right there. Is if he doesn't have to do everything offensively, be involved in every creation to get a bucket on the offensive end. Now he has more energy defensively, and as he learns to stay out of foul trouble, it it is kind of sorry, Carlos. It is kind of a, an interesting mix of guys that he's got and 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 we should use this to to kind of get into the draft to see how he's gonna i'm curious what you see uh, what y'all think about who they should take i mean i know obviously depends on where they fall and so forth but just some of the prospects out there and how they might fit uh and you 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 can assume grants here or not but uh what 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 do you let's just say you get a you know let's say they land in a two spot um i guess it depends on uh you know somebody wants homegrown or or smith but i'm curious what y'all think I mean, I think Comgren and, and Smith are definitely uh, those top two guys. Uh, if they draft number one and they have their pick, it's tough because I think both of those guys are probably similar tiers of players if you look at just like long-term impact. Uh, but my favorite player in the draft is Chet. Like, I just look at everything Chet does. I mean, he's one of the best rim protectors in college basketball. Like uh, shooting like 44% from three on a decent number of attempts. So he looks like a, a stretch four, stretch five in the NBA. Uh, he's extremely efficient inside the arc. I mean, he's a lob threat, like extremely long arms. Uh, he can push the ball in transition. He's got decent vision. Uh, just his toolkit as a, a, a seven-footer uh, to have that type of guard ability. Uh, like you talk about unicorn bigs, but most of the guys you call unicorn bigs can't do everything that Chet can do. I mean, if he were like 6'6", he would still be a lottery pick. Uh, like, cause he's just so, so skilled. The only knock on him is the fact that he's 195 pounds and that's a pretty big knock, but to me, he's just so skilled and so competitive. It's just hard for me to see how he feels in the NBA. Like he's a guy you can play next to just about any big man. And he does so much that the fit's going to work. And, uh, just as a foundational guy, I think he's the guy you probably go with. Yeah. So, I mean, I won't pile on with Chet and Chet has risen up my personal board and I'm here record we're recording here on Tuesday night I'm excited to watch him in the WCC championship game like watch a full game of him but Jabari Smith has a a a chance to be really really good he's a defensive guy he can guard he is maybe the best shooter in the class and he's six foot ten and the big knock on him is self-creation and by no means and I don't know if you agree with this Sean or or maybe I should ask Carlos he he's a no don't ask Carlos But I, I don't I, I realize self-creation is a hard thing to develop and it worries people. But if if he develops that, like, how do you guard that guy? Because you see the shots he makes already at 6'10 and he's 
tough to guard offensively. Can I just one one small thing, um, if I may point out before we before, before you, Carlos, when we say self creation, so that's you know you know what that means, right, Carlos? I mean, getting your own shot. Yeah, create yeah. the space to, to create the space to take a shot, basically, right, right Carlos? Yep. Okay, you yep. got a notepad? Yep. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Hang okay. on, hang on. Is this basketball? Yeah, yeah. We're talking about okay, basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. No, but anyway, and, and all kidding aside, he he does create though, right? I mean, he just does, he he may not create like. Um, like LeBron or Kyrie, but you know, when I've watched him and clips in Auburn games, first of all, the, the first thing I notice is he's got an unbelievable jab step. So that's self without putting the ball on the floor. So that's creation right there. I watched him on the break, put the ball behind his back in traffic at the half court, and then get to the cup. And so the the handle around in a tight space like that, I've watched him cross guys up. It's I, I think people. This is just my opinion. With all that Durant talk early in the year, Durant is still an outlier, right? I mean, Smith, Smith's stroke to me is every bit as sweet as Durant's. But the, the difference is the wiggle and the explosiveness. Durant's just got ridiculous, right, for a seven-footer. And he's also got great ball skill. But Smith's got pretty good ball skill right now. And to me, that's easier to, to, to develop a little bit uh, when you can see some parts of it than the shooting. And he's got good defensive instincts, but so I think he has a little bit of shot creation. He's also got a turnaround at six foot ten with a high release. Oh, yeah, so that's shot crea- that shot creation. Sorry, Omari. No, and he's extremely young too. I think Chet is like a full year older than Jabari. He is. So I mean, just the age gap too. Uh, like you just look at what Jabari's doing, and he's eighteen years old. Uh, he'll be an extremely young rookie. Uh, and you just mentioned his trajectory, the ball skill, everything he has now. I think that's what uh, makes him a really tempting prospect. Um, you know, like I think he could come into the league and immediately just sort of be like a Richard Lewis type just because he shoots it so well already. Oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> is, that, is, that is that good or Richard is that bad? Richard Lewis? Like that's Richard his, Lewis. Bryce, help me out here. That's his come floor. On, I'm not saying that's his silly. That's his floor. Richard Lewis? <laughs> his floor is Richard Lewis. Yes, he could come in and get 19 a game, shoot 40% from three. Uh, decent defense, like that's his floor as an eighteen year old. Why do you think? Why do you think Richard? Because he because he's a little stiff. Because Richard was stiff too, right? I mean, he couldn't much, get his own shot much. Yes, if everything else fails for Jabari, I still think that's what, the type of player he's going to be. Uh, but if it breaks God. right, you're not even old enough to remember <laughs> Prime Richard Lewis. <laughs> I'm sorry, Carlos. Carlos, come on. Well, I wanted to go back to what Bryce is saying about Chet Holmgren and that I, I really don't believe that he's coming around on him. I think just Omari browbeat him into saying, hey, man, he's the, <laughs> I agree. He's the top guy on my board. Damn it. And he's going to be he's going to be the Pistons pick. Um, OK, you're going to you're going to upset Anjanette with the cussing. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the big question with Jabari was the whole thing about weight. I mean, Omari's over there talking about, you know, how how uh, slight Chet is. And I think Omari said he goes what are you, 6'6", 250, like chisel granite? Is that what you were comparing yourself to, Chet Omari? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they'll, 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 all the guys beef up, right? I mean, generally, I mean, other than maybe like Rip Hamilton or someone like that, but they generally put on some weight and get a little bit better and don't get pushed around as much. So, uh, but yeah, two great options, right? Right, Sean? I don't know. To me, Chet Holmgren is a much bigger risk because the, of the, the body. If he doesn't put on much weight, what what is he, Bryce? What is he in the NBA at two hundred five? Let's say he caps out at two hundred five. So, like, what what is he as a player? If that's all yeah. the weight he can put on, yeah. I don't. I I get nervous about him holding up in the paint at two hundred five. Absolutely. Like he just does. Does he not get bullied a little bit if that's all he actually puts on? I, I know there's there's such a thing as like functional strength. Like you don't have to look like. I don't know, Dwight, like Isaiah Stewart. You don't have to look like Isaiah Stewart to hold your ground. And even guys that look like that don't always hold their ground. Chet does have some functional, but I've seen some clips where it makes me a little bit nervous. And I'm not talking about him guarding Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Nobody's guarding those guys. And, and me and Omari talked about this. I'm talking about the second tier of guys, the Valanchunases, the Nurkic's, even a guy like uh, Jared Allen for the Cavs, does he hold up physically against those guys? And then if he's a four, can he move to guard on the perimeter against guys and get through screens? I, I do have some worries about the physical build of him, and that's why I actually still have Jabari Smith Jr. as my number one. They're both in my tier one, but but Jabari Smith would be my number one pick if if I had it. 
Carlos? I think I think that we could get Omari to come around on Jabari Smith if he just changes from Omari Jabari Smith Jr. to Jabari Smith II. I think that's the <laughs> that'll be the clincher. Um, if, if he's the second, that changes the entire debate because there are too many juniors and not enough seconds. Like, I think there's more. Like, I think there's there's more power to to the second. Don't call me junior. That's just like it automatically. Uh, like it makes you seem lesser than what you are to be. That's just me. That's just me. Maybe I'm overthinking it. So if they end up, I'm curious what, again. What do y'all think here? If they end up, you know, falling a couple spots with the the combination of the the, the ball, the lottery, and maybe they keep winning, right? I mean, and uh, I don't know, they're four, five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Then, then who do you guys like in 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 that range? Do you, do you want to see him go big? Or do you want to see him go after uh, some somebody like Jaden Ivey, who's super athletic on the perimeter, or? Or Johnny Davis, who I love because I know he doesn't have great side-to-side necessarily, but, man, he is. Talk about a bucket getter, Bryce. And he's got some verticality. He will go down and, and yam on you. And um, he's got some toughness, too. But uh, in any case, I'm, who, who do you all like out there in that spot or the, that range? Yeah, so I actually like Johnny Davis. That's a name I like. I like Ben Matherin, the kid at Arizona. I think those guys actually slide. Like, if you want to talk about fit, Carlos – um, I know a lot of fans don't, but if you want to talk about fit, I don't know that two guys fit any better into the current roster than those two guys do. I actually think Jay Nivey fits well because it sounds like the biggest knock on him is like the ball in his hands. Does he make great decisions? Can he shoot it as as Sean is d- doing that? I know it's not video, but I can, when we're recording, I can see yeah, yeah. <laughs> if If he can shoot it, if he can shoot it, and that's a big, I understand it's an if I, I, the shooting went down in February, I believe. And then also what do those guys do defensively? Not to get back into something we talked about earlier, but can those guys guard so Cade can play a little bit more off ball on the defensive end. So I like kind of that group of guys. If the Pistons do fall out. Amari. Yeah. I like Johnny Davis a lot. Uh, I think Johnny, like, yeah, he's not a great shooter. I think he's only shooting like 32% this year. And, uh, and that's as a sophomore as a freshman. He didn't even take that many threes. Uh, but just like his in-between game, like he's got a lot of wiggle. Uh, he takes a lot of free throws. I like guards that, that pressure the rim. And I think, you know, just getting into the fit conversation, you have two guards to the roster already and Kane and Killian who don't pressure the rim at all. And then you just have Johnny Davis who can just come in and uh, like he's a guy that could probably, if he's a starter, he could probably, you know, at his peak, he's probably taking five, six, seven free throws a game because uh, he's like one of the leaders in college basketball right now. Um and there's always guys like this in every draft. If they can figure out the shot, then that just takes their ceiling to a whole different level. But he's that guy for me in this draft where if he's like a league average 35, 36% shooter, he could, you know, take like four a game, uh, you know, get, get you like one and a half a game. Uh, like, I think he's a long-time starter in the league. Um, like, I think probably he looks sort of like DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan, like an okay athlete and not like a a, a tier one athlete, which is a, pretty firmly above average starting shooting guard. Uh, so I also like Keegan Murray because I, I think just the productivity. Uh, <laughs> Bryce is not a Keegan Murray fan. Uh, but you, you just watch, like watch him on offense. Like he's got a really nice, um, like he could post you up. Like he's got a really good just in-between game, mid-range, like back to the basket. Like he's shooting the three pretty well. Uh, he could push the ball. Uh, he's averaging like two blocks and like a still and a half. So he's productive on defense. Uh, it kind of goes back to the chat debate for me where a guy's just being so productive that you figure though, like a lot of that would translate to the league at, on, on some level. Amari, his teammate was productive last year. Right? <laughs> yeah. And he's in the G, and he's in the G league. <laughs> that's, so, well, that's fair. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I'm talking about Luca Garza. Sorry, Carlos. That's fair. Keegan is a, a much better athlete than Luca, though. So you got to give him that. He is, but even then, he's methodical. I, no, don't get me yeah. wrong. I, I'm partial. I played with a knee brace and croakies and all that, <laughs> and I had an old man game. I'm partial to the guys that get that get the ball in the hoop that way. But uh, but I'm kind of with you, Bryce. I worry about at that size, right? You know, you, I worry about him guarding. You know, he's got his release is okay. You know, but it seems a little low. I don't know. I mean, I guess he's got enough height. I mean, Cunningham had to get his had to get his up a little bit too. But I I don't know. It's just uh, maybe it's a bias against Big Ten guys that way. Who knows? But I but I understand it, Omari. You know, you you like the he's fundamental, isn't he? For sure. And he's just got like his toolkit on offense reminds you of Tobias Harris, who's like a, a twenty a night guy. Uh, Is he that quick? 
Tobias may have a little bit more quick, quickness to him for sure, but I think Kick has got a little bit more, more strength, so maybe he, he can get inside a little bit more. Which at six eight guy, like that's not the, the best pitch I admit, but you know, but I think he has enough to his game on offense. Um, and he's a, a late bloomer as well, like he's twenty one, so I think that kind of knocks against him a bit. You know, as far as NBA scouts and teams who tend to value youth and upside over you know a guy just coming in and being able to play. But I look at guys like Desmond Bain, like he was a 30th pick and he's like averaging 17, 18 a game for Memphis now. Uh, sometimes guys, I just think we over, we overthink it a bit and Keegan can play. Like he's going to come in and I think he's going to be a productive NBA player. That's true. The overthinking. I mean, Carlos and I talk a lot about this with football, which we know even less about than basketball. And it's even more of a guessing game in a way, right? But uh but yeah, the, the the idea of overthinking. Hey, you know, can we take a quick break and then just take them toward the 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 end, Carlos? Is that all right? Yeah, good talk, man. I'm learning a lot. Yeah, not for me though. <laughs> all right, we'll be right back after the break. Hey, it's Sean Windsor, and I'd like to tell you about the new sports app we've launched as part of our USA Today family. USA Today Sports Plus is the new sports app that puts fans first. Get the latest scores, stats, and standings, and enjoy interactive experiences with our award-winning sports writers, which obviously does not include me. Download USA Today Sports Plus from the Apple or Google Play stores today. USA Today Sports Plus. Fan harder. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with uh, Carlos and Sean. Carlos, this is this has been fun. We've learned a lot. I think we need to get the opinion from these two guys of of, of when are the Pistons become a, a, a playoff team? What, what are they going to look like next year? And is this stretch we're seeing right now sustainable? And and is it going to carry over? What do you think, Carlos? Yeah, I mean, I want to hear their thoughts. I think uh, I you know they're they're as we said surging Pistons right now, but uh, you got the draft coming up. Um, you got a lot of kind of balls in the air, but. They're getting a little bit of momentum, so you know the draft's going to be big for them. How it's all going to fit together? Um, yeah, I'd like to see, and and I get the sense, I get the sense that uh, you know there's a little bit maybe more optimism sometimes from I think I think Bryce and Omari talked about this a little bit where the fans tend to be a little harder on the team than the writers and the analysts, and so you know you guys have a good perspective on maybe what what Dwayne Casey's trying to do, how he's keeping it together. You're not getting a lot of drama out of it, so that all matters, man. So so I'd like to see what you guys think holistically how this team is moving forward. Yeah, so for, for whatever reason, I feel like I've kind of become a Dwayne Casey like defender or supporter, and I don't mean to do that. Maybe it's the coach in me, in yes, me but uh, maybe I do, but. I just I think you have to see it from that side. I think it's the, it's easy to blame him right now because we don't want to blame these young guys. Troy Weaver is still, you know, and I'm a huge fan of Troy Weaver, but we don't want to blame him. And so I get it. Somebody has to be the fall guy. But I do think there's some credit to Dwayne Casey. It's been a, a tough year. There was there was very, if you guys go back to the offseason, there were some high expectations for this team, completely unrealistic. And I was, you know, public, I was number one. I was wrong about my expectations for this team. It was flat out not a good expectation, but losing injuries. Every team had to deal with COVID. The whole country had to deal with COVID. I understand it, but Dwayne Casey kept it together. You're one of your star players is the biggest name at the trade deadline doesn't get traded. And he's kept all this together behind the scene. When's the last article you saw Amari Wright about something coming out of the locker room or the front office? It just, it, it hasn't happened. And I think that speaks to Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver. And I think it speaks to this team and organization just continuing to grow. It's going to take time guys. They're not going to be in the playoffs next year. Maybe, maybe the play-in game with the right offseason, but it's growing at the rate that it's supposed to grow at. For sure. Like, you definitely see uh, how things are starting to come together for this team now. And uh, I also like like to bring up that uh, the full reboot for this team really only started in earnest about a year ago. Uh, once Blake Griffin and the Pistons parted ways about 20 games into last season. Um so you look at it from that standpoint, look at the fact that Killian Hayes missed most of his rookie season. Um, and beyond that, you have Sadiq Bay, you have Isaiah Stewart, uh, who both look like, I think it's a Sadiq's case, a definite NBA starter. And then um, uh, Isaiah's case, certainly a guy who uh, could be a productive big man in the league for a long time. Uh, Killian, I think he's shown a lot. Uh, Kate is Kate, of course. Like, we don't need to talk about him. We talk about him a lot. Uh, but then you got a, another pick, and then you have Jeremy playing well. Uh, hot, like Diallo has been a really good pickup. Marvin's been good. 
uh, you see a lot of pieces. You see these guys starting to gel. They've won six of their last eight. And to me, you're starting to really see the outlines of the team that could become something. Uh, I mean, really, as soon as next season, depending on how the East breaks, because there are some teams this year, like um, the Wizards and Knicks, that started strong, but kind of tailed off. So there might be some room in like that eight through 10 uh, seating for the Pistons to slide in next season if everything breaks right. But uh, yeah, I mean, to see the team start to hit a stride this late into the year is a testament to um, Trey always talks about just drafting the right people and uh, these guys have been locked in all season. Uh, they've taken a lot, a lot of losses. They had a franchise record with 14 straight losses back in uh, November and December. And this team is unrecognizable from that team just because of how well they've been playing. So like, you're starting to see it come together. Um, rebuilds are tough. Like very rarely do you see uh, things come together rapidly. Uh, the Grizzlies, I mean, you know, I think it's John third season. Like that's an extreme outlier. Like usually it's a little bit closer to um, – what Minnesota or Sacramento has been going through where it's just starts and stops. You make moves, they don't work out. Uh, well, I think Sacramento, they're actually about to miss the playoffs for like the 17th straight year. So maybe not quite that Yeah, dying, good comparison. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, maybe it Pistons... is a, Maybe it is a good comparison, yeah. right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, but the Pistons haven't won a playoff game since 2008. So, uh, you know, but it's just tough. Like, it takes a lot to, to go right to get things going. And I think we're starting to see that this, this rebuild may have more legs than some of the previous rebuilds the Pistons have had. Um, in the last 15 years or so. Can you feel it, Bryce? Uh, I mean, I know you haven't been here yet. I hear you're coming, uh, the, right? You're, you're coming to Detroit for the first time, so that'll be good. But can you feel it, social media, with, with the with the work that you do? Can you feel that, Bryce, the the change, the momentum here? And, Omari, can you feel that in, in the Little Caesars a little bit? Because I can sense there's a tiny bit of buzz building with the way the way they're getting after it, right? Yeah, I, I thought at the beginning of last year, you could feel that there was a whole lot of trust in Troy Weaver and the, the the beginning of the season, whenever Isaiah Stewart looked better than what people thought and Sadiq Bey looked good. I know Killian didn't look great, but he was injured. And then they went full rebuild with the trade of Derrick Rose and they bought out Blake Griffin. I think there was a lot of disappointment at the beginning of the season and whenever things didn't start out right. But here since the All-Star break, you know, even little things like Cade winning the 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 um Oh, what is it called? The, the rising Rookie, stars, the yeah. rising stars challenge MVP, like even little stuff like that. You know, I, I don't care whether he wins rookie of the year, because for me, it's just about him being the player he needs to be and the team needs him to be. But I know that's a huge thing for the fan base. If he wins rookie of the year, that's going to drum up even more excitement. So I do think that there's some increased excitement just based off the engagement I see on Twitter, at least. And yes, I, I will be at LCA on Sunday against the Clippers. Me and my wife's first trip to Detroit, first trip to LCA. Haven't even been to very many NBA games. So we are juiced to take in Detroit and the restaurants and the arena and the atmosphere and get the full Detroit experience. All right. I have sure. to I have to step in here and just just warn you, Bryce. Do not get tricked into eating a Coney dog. Okay. Just just <laughs> avoid it. It's just a stupid chili dog. If you talk about you don't even know. I mean, cheese, cheese steaks, forget it. This is just a stupid chili dog. Avoid it. Don't waste a meal. Do something else. Go get some soul food. Go get some Ema. Go get some, uh, uh, maybe Omario punch in the right direction of the right Detroit-style pizza. Uh, but no chili dogs. No Coney dogs. I actually agree with that. I'm like, I, I think Coney dogs are are fine. I wouldn't go out of, of my way to get one. And a lot of people in Detroit swear by them. And like, this is like, I'm, I'm from, from Detroit, moved back. Like just from living in Memphis and in Pittsburgh, I've realized that every city has a food that it swears it's the greatest thing ever. And it's actually not. And for Detroit, that is the Coney dog. For Pittsburgh, it's the sandwich at Permancy's. Like they put fries and coleslaw on the sandwich. And it's just really, it's a big starch sandwich because it's like mostly bread, french fries and coleslaw. Like I don't know why you would eat french fries and coleslaw on top of some sliced turkey. But uh <laughs> Yeah, for Detroit, it's the Coney dog. I, like it's fine, but we're gonna take you somewhere better. <laughs> be like you'll, you'll you'll be a good ass. I had that sandwich at the original Pramani Brothers in the warehouse district downtown, right? And it started because uh, I can't believe I know this, Carlos. I'm sorry, but oh, of course, it started because they wanted a you know a lot of truckers were coming through, right? It was a distribution center, and the the owner, of the Pramani Brothers, got the idea to shove everything on the plate into the between the slices of bread so they could eat it while they were driving. So that's how that thing started. And yeah, it's ridiculous. It's but no, I'm going to defend the Coney Dog here for a second. A Lafayette <laughs> Coney Dog, a Lafayette Coney Dog with the snap, the, the casing, and the chili. You need to try one, Bryce. At some point, maybe not this trip, 
a little bit of onion, a little bit of mustard. So just go in and get one up. Say, I'll have one up. And then get some chili fries if you want or not, whatever. But it's 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 pretty good. There's a little tiny spice in the chili. I can't believe you you don't like a Lafayette Coney, Omari. I like it. It's just if you're coming from out of town and you want a memorable meal, you're going to take a bite of the hot dog. You're going to say that's a pretty that's a pretty good hot dog. But I think <laughs> you could get a good hot dog in most cities. So that's my take on that. It, uh, okay, it's just hype, man. It's just it's just Sean's just scared. Sean's scared of the of the hate that he'll get if he does says he doesn't <laughs> no, like. No, no, I just feel I real. don't. I, I've been in this area on and off since the 80s, and I am not a native, but I do uh, not remember a, a conversation in almost in more than 30 years of anybody ever saying, oh, my God, Coney dogs are the greatest thing ever. People don't brag about Coney dogs around here. They're just on every corner. Uh, you know, I don't know even how they started. It's just part of the deal, but it's not like people line up and love them, right? They like them. They, uh, they, so I think you're I think you're overstating it, Carl. They're they love them when they're drunk at one a.m. and they're looking for something to eat that's bad for you. That, that that's what, everything tastes good at one a.m. in that yeah, situation, right? Right? right. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 Amari, <laughs> real quickly, could, could, at Little Caesars, do you do you feel a, a little bit more buzz lately with this streak? Yeah, for sure. I was getting text like I was getting text Monday night about the game. Right. I mean that hadn't happened in a while. Like God, check the game out between the Hawks and the Pistons. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the crowd has been extremely loud uh, during this streak where they've won six of eight. Uh, they actually, like, they've had some pretty good crowds, too. Uh, I thought their crowd on, uh, I believe that was Saturday, uh, was one of the better crowds of the season. Uh, so, I mean, fans are, like, they've showed up for Kate Cunningham all season anyway, but just to watch, you know, their rookie point guard, number one pick, uh, lead the team to some wins. Um, yeah, I mean, the buzz in the arena has been, Really, really great, and you can just tell that people are excited to finally have something to look forward to. That was Friday, Amari. That that, that game was on Friday. Friday. Yeah, that's Friday. <laughs> well, I was trying to figure it out. I was like, okay, so they practiced that. They played Monday. They practiced Sunday. So that means they had to play Saturday. But Saturday was an off day. So you're right. Saturday I, I hope you day. got our reservations to the restaurant on the right day here coming up. Like we're going to show up Saturday night at, at this restaurant, and they're just going. We're going to have to go get a coney dog on the on the corner. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have to send Bryce the screenshot to the reservation just so we can get some, <laughs> some extra eyes on it. Well, we'll just say, okay. Dates, past it was dates. sometime I'm in the past. Good. How about that? Yeah, sometime in the past. Sometime in the, hey, look, uh, Carlos, Omari's got to – we got to get him out of here. And we've been Bryce has been generous with his time too. But we're going to put him on the spot real quick before I let him go. We're just going to roll him into our My Favorite Things segment. Uh, do, do a quick explainer, Carlos and I end every show uh, – every show – how often do we do this, Carlos? Once a week? See, now I sound like Omari. We're, we're, we end every show with something we've enjoyed from the previous week. It could be a, a, a tiny little thing, a big thing. We call it my, my favorite thing. Carlos will go first so you can get a quick idea so you guys can uh, join in after after Carlos, and then I'll go, and then y'all go. Carlos. Man. Wait, wait. Are you guys okay with this? Of course this? they're okay this with is, this. They'll, this figure it, they'll figure it out. You steal mine half the time. What are you Come talking on, about? Come on. They'll figure it out. That's, that's hard. Go ahead. All right. You guys want to do that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Sean, I'll go first. Um, all right, so my favorite thing this last week was I took one of my daughters on a college visit to Indiana University. That's that's known as a basketball school, by the way, Sean. There was a guy named Bob Knight who used to coach there for a long time. But, uh, you know, she, she was accepted into their public policy pro- program there, O'Neill School, and we went and – it was kind of a last. Is this a bragging? Is it? Are you going to keep bragging? Are you gonna get no, to this is my thing? favorite thing because it was a it was a last okay. minute trip. Um, we hadn't scheduled it, and there was an opening, so we found out Thursday night. We have to go Friday. She has to miss school. We go Saturday to the thing. It was a great trip. And the thing is that I have twin daughters, so I don't spend a lot of time with one of them one-on-one that much. It's we do things as a family, or I do things with both of them. You know, orthodontics. Both of them, you know, doctors is it both of them, whatever it is. So this is one of the few times, and it's a set. We had a drive, so it's like a six-hour drive. And uh, and I told my wife after there's an old movie called Paper Moon from the '70s, um, you know, way before, probably even before Bryce was born. So, um, but it's a classic movie about it's set in the Depression era, where it's a a, a, a father and his ten-year-old daughter, and they're traveling across the country, and they're kind of grifters. Um, but it kind of felt like that. It was kind of like a road trip with my daughter. <laughs> and uh, we just had fun. We were talking about, you know, just silly things, internet memes. I didn't know about a Grand Theft Auto meme that she was telling me about. We were talking about it. We were getting some fast food. And so it was just a really nice, enjoyable, 
um, experience that I haven't had a lot of um, opportunities to have. And now that she's almost going to college, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting wistful. And it's, it's, it was a really nice, it was tough to do it. It was a quick turnaround, but it was uh, super enjoyable, really memorable. I'm proud of you. You know, Thank for you. driving all, all the way to Bloomington and back. Yeah, I appreciate that's nice. It. I'm, I'm going to go real quick, guys. This is how it goes. Carlos does something, you know, that's sincere and lovely and <laughs> and thoughtful. And I come and you in rip and say me off. No, no, no. And I come in and say something like, "My favorite thing is that you asked me about an elevator screen in front of a former Division One player who coaches <laughs> and who spent his post career playing days in the game, and I actually knew what the elevator screen was." That was so great because I was So that's my favorite thing. Well, right? I was impressed that you were able to Google it that fast while I was asking about you and look it up on Wikipedia. So, yeah, that's, that's credit yeah, to you, yeah, Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's fun. My, no, my favorite thing is having a couple of hoop guys here because this is it's the best thing in the world. It's the greatest thing in the world. Not the Coney dog, but the game of basketball. So, uh, you know, we got I got to play for a week. This is uh, for, yeah, it was it was awesome. Okay, when do you guys want to go? Uh, yeah, my, mine is quick. Uh, there's a hip-hop duo called The Cool Kids, who have been dormant for a few years. Uh, Chuck English, who's from Detroit, and then uh, Sir Michael Rocks. And I'll say their peak was probably 2007 to like 12, and then Sir Michael Rocks had a run from like 12 to 14 or so where he went solo. But they dropped a comeback album on Friday. That was definitely one of their better projects. So I've been listening to that all week. So that's my favorite thing. That's awesome. Bryce? Amari, have you listened to the Blake Shelton songs yet that you agreed to? I, I did hear a, a, a few of them. I was going to save it for the, uh, the the next pod we did. But uh, okay, okay. But I'll say this: did, did he lose a bet or something? <laughs> it's kind of our thing back and forth on Twitter. I, I don't even remember who I'm supposed to listen to. So obviously, he's doing better with the agreement than I am. I'll remind you, Kendrick Lamar. There yeah. we go. All right. My my favorite thing is, and I guess I'm going to play the role of Sean and still off of Carlos's this week. And I, I coach high school football and basketball, actually. And my basketball season, our basketball season just ended. But what I love about it is both of my older kids or our older kids come with me to every single practice. So my seven-year-old son, who's a first grader, has been to, since starting kindergarten, has been to every football and basketball practice the last two years. Our five-year-old daughter, who's a kindergartner this year, has been to every football and basketball practice this year. And even though basketball season ended, my favorite thing is those they, they come and share that with me every single day. It allows me to keep coaching. And my son is like already falling in love with it. He, he draws up plays when we get home. He watches the Pistons games with me. And so, so that is my favorite thing that I, I get to have them with me because I don't always have a whole lot of spare time and not that we're always interacting during practice, but they're, we're there with me and, and sharing in something that I love. So that's my favorite thing as well. Well, that's awesome. See, Carlos, that's not so hard. They're human beings. They're, they're adults. They can handle, they can handle a little ad living like that improv. Anybody who's had kids knows that I, I don't know how you can get a seven-year-old and a five-year-old to behave themselves during a full practice. That is super impressive. But I'm also positive that your son's also knows more about basketball than Sean does right now. He could drop a better play. Oh, I'm sure he does. <laughs> Bryce, but Bryce, I stopped. I played pickup ball up until my early 40s and then I t- tore my other ACL. And I used to take my kids who were about your kid's age. Um, then I used to take them to on a like Tuesday night pickup ball over in Sterling Heights, all the way from Ann Arbor. I did that occasionally, right? And they would sit quietly, and you know, between games, they'd go out and shoot a few shots, and it was great. So I don't know what kind of kids Carlos is raising, but uh, <laughs> barrel. But I don't think it's that difficult, right? I mean, in terms of you know that, right? And yeah, okay. Bryce is nodding for the folks out there that can't see. So he, <laughs> he, he, he's with me, not Carlos. So listen, guys, thanks so much. Thanks for uh, sticking around and letting me put you on the spot. Thanks for joining Carlos and I. It's been great. You got a great start to your podcast there. Again, it's the Pistons Pulse. Is it with Omari and Bryce or with Bryce and Omari? How are you guys doing that? I always put Omari first, man. I feel like he's the star of the show. So I always say Omari and Bryce. Okay, well, I do the same. Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. In fact, they don't even need my name. It just it it just needs to be Carlos. So in any case, thanks thanks for coming in, giving us time. Any last thoughts, Carlos, before we go? No, this has been uh, just just for you guys, for, for Bryce and Omari. This is by far, and Tad will agree with me, the most animated and engaged that Sean has been. And what have we done? Like fifty or sixty episodes? Like it's just like there's no question. 
if we talk about hockey, like he turn he turns his screen off, he stops talking. You can hear him whimpering a little bit in the background, but he's been so happy to talk about not only basketball, but then also college basketball. I mean, it's a pig and slop. This has been just an impressive profess, uh, performance from Sean. So thank you guys for coming on. You can come on anytime you want, uh, please, anytime. Thank you. Oh, thanks for thanks for waking me up. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen. Uh, we want to thank y'all. We want to thank uh, our listener, uh, which is Tad's father. I don't know if you, you you knew that Bryson Amari, but he listens every week, so we have at least one listener. But we want to thank y'all out there for for giving us your time for joining us this week. Um, we would uh, like you to. I mean, you know, we'd urge you to rate us or give us a give us a note, give us a comment, give us some criticism. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. At uh, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, that sort of thing. Tad's uh, keep promising me to build a, li- a list of other places I can name it. He hasn't. We want to thank our um, producer, Tad, again, who did not talk. Maybe maybe Bryce and Omari can get him to talk at some point, Carlos. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> no, he likes never. Better, but yeah, we, we the, the show, the, the podcast doesn't happen without Tad Davis or without or nor without uh, Kirkland Crawford, our sports editor, and Janelle Delgado. You know, who's she's been mentioned a few times this podcast, so she should be okay. And then we also want to thank Peter Batia, the executive editor. We will see y'all next week.